This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, offering members-only discounts that can save you thousands of dollars a year. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Why the pandemic is making Zoomers delay retirement and a survivor remembers 77 years after the liberation of the Auschwitz death camp. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. COVID-19 caused the greatest drop in life expectancy in Canada in a century since 1921. And the virus was the third leading cause of death in Canada in 2020. The data from Statistics Canada shows the national life expectancy is now 81.7 years for those born in 2020, down from 82.3 the year before. The drop was greater for men at more than eight months. For women, it was nearly five months. He has global celebrity status, but how popular is Prime Minister Justin Trudeau compared to other leaders? A new list from market research firm Morning Consult puts him in the middle of the pack. He's tied for the sixth spot out of 13 with U.S. President Joe Biden at 43 percent support. The report finds India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi at the top for the second year running with a 71% approval rating. Former U.S. First Lady Melania Trump may not be as popular as she believed. The lot of three items she put up for auction earlier this month failed to reach its desired monetary threshold of $250,000 for an opening bid. The items on the block included a custom-wide-brimmed white hat she wore during an official White House state visit, a watercolor of her wearing the hat, and a non-fungible token of the illustration with animation. The sale ended with only five bids, each around the minimum requirement of 1,800 Solana tokens, the cryptocurrency Trump selected as the only way to pay. But because of the massive drop in the cryptocurrency market and the lack of wide interest, the lot she dubbed the head of state collection sold for about $80,000 under asking. Still with the Trump presidency, former White House counselor Kellyanne Conway has a memoir coming out in May. Here's the Deal is billed by her publisher as an open and vulnerable account that details her journey all the way to the White House and beyond. Conway was a top Trump advisor and also a source of gossip because her husband was a prominent Trump detractor. She is famous for coining the term alternative facts when she defended the White House's false contention in 2017 that Trump's inauguration was the most well-attended in history. 
She was the oldest Canadian and the oldest Jewish person in the world. 114-year-old Cecile Klein of Quebec passed away last week at a care home in Côte-Saint-Luc, having only moved there at 110 after a fall. A keen follower of current events, Cecile was still reading several newspapers without glasses until a few years ago. Her daughter says she was so full of energy and life and always found something good about everybody. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. When the pandemic began, it seemed that COVID would convince many Canadians to retire early. The signs made it clear that the risks increased with age and the demands of moving everything online required a massive shift. But the opposite has happened. The pandemic is making Canadians delay retirement. Fidelity Canada explored the reasons in its most recent report. I talked with Michelle Monroe, Director of Retirement Research. I thought we'd get more of a barbell effect where people would be retiring earlier and uh, people who'd be retiring later. But our survey shows that actually people are, are choosing to retire later than they anticipated. And when we looked a little bit more deeply into the reasons, they fit specifically because of the pandemic. What about the pandemic? What were the specific reasons? Traditionally, the number one reason is that people would want to save a little bit more, really build up that retirement nest egg. But when it comes to the pandemic, the reason that people are saying that they wanted to delay retirement is that they were concerned about inflation. But uh, also, I think we're going to see how people live in uh, retirement is going to be different. Pre-retirees saying that they want to spend more family time, more time with their loved ones, and that's how we're seeing the quality of retirement is going to change. And so, you know, Libby, when you're talking about, like, well, what's going to happen long-term when pandemic uh, restrictions lift and we get through this, um, I think people will return to travel, but not in the same way. I think we're going to see more of, like, those types of villas where people are going together as a family I want to get back to this business about delaying retirement because they can't do what they want to do. I mean, it's not just travel, but people were saying, I I can't volunteer in the way that I wanted to. What is behind that? Do you think people are thinking uh, more clearly that they have to kind of have a, a life plan in retirement? Oh, yeah. So putting together a vision of retirement, what do you want to be doing in retirement? Um, and, you know, the media, it depicts that sort of happy couple on the beach. And I think people understand that retirement's more than that. Uh, but until it comes time to actually start the retirement, they don't really get granular about what does that mean. And so, especially as we've been navigating the pandemic, well, okay, we've taken away that vision of the travel, the couple on the beach, what have you, but we haven't replaced it with anything. And so if someone's close to retirement, well, yeah, sure, there's lots, there's also economical reasons to continue to work. Was there anything that people did not plan enough for? And I'm thinking specifically about home care or long-term care where people taking that into account enough that they might need it? My question is, are people thinking about that enough? 
Well, the answer there is no. They're not thinking about that long-term care. Thinking about uh, end of life, seniors care, retirement care. And uh, certainly as we navigated the pandemic, we've the people who are hardest hit, especially at the beginning, were those who are in those types of care options. And I think when you, for younger retirees or pre-retirees, they're thinking, well, what are my options? What might be better than this? When somebody transitions from their working years into their retirement years, and I'll speak about as myself, uh, I work, uh, I have employer health benefits. And they, they cover things like getting my teeth cleaned, massage, et cetera. Uh, when I transition to retire into retirement, well, all of a sudden I have to pay for all of those things out of pocket. Um, so when we're creating a retirement plan, very few people include that as part of their budget. One of your questions that I was uh, a little fascinated with is like you said, how long do you need your retirement savings to last? And then it starts with until about age 70, until about age 80, and it goes all the way until about age 100. I mean, how are we supposed to know? Right. It's a different, because how, who knows? How long are you going to live exactly? Nobody knows for sure. Is that my crystal ball? We don't know, but we can look at some statistics. Um, so a man at age 65 on average will live to about age 85. A woman on age, at age 65, her average life expectancy is just over age 87. So, but those are averages. And also the longer you live, the longer you can expect to live. You can go on life expectancy calculators, you can Google it, and a lot of them pop up and they get really detailed. Uh, so when it comes to my own retirement planning, I'm expecting to live to 98. I had two Good grandmothers who lived into their 90s, which means I need to save a lot of money. <laughs> Throughout the survey, you pulled pre-retirees and retirees. So do people end up doing and spending what they expect to when the time actually arrives? When you ask, pre-retirees, what do you think you'll be doing in retirement? Usually the number one answer is spending that time traveling. Uh, but when they actually get into retirement, it, it might be in the first year or two, but then it drops off very, it, it drops off quite a bit. And then they are falling more into the routine of spending that time with family and friends, the hobbies, the activities, sports and fitness, and of course, volunteering as well. Okay, Michelle Monroe, thank you so much for this. It has been my pleasure. Thank you, Libby. Take care. That was Michelle Monroe of Fidelity Canada. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, Max Eisen, a survivor of Auschwitz, remembers. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP. Fighting for financial security for our seniors. Find out more at carp.ca. This week marked Holocaust Remembrance Day and the 77th anniversary of the liberation of the Auschwitz concentration camp. 
With the numbers of survivors dwindling and anti-Semitism on the rise around the world, 92-year-old Max Eisen says telling his story is more important than ever. We talked this week. We mark the 77th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. Yes. What is um, the first thing that you're thinking about as we mark this milestone? I'm thinking that how lucky I am to be alive 77 years later. Let's get back to the beginning, to how you got to Auschwitz. Uh, You were a 15-year-old then. You had had what sounded like uh, an idyllic childhood in Czechoslovakia. That's right. We Jews were, we knew that we were in mortal danger. We were given to Hungary. And the next five years, we lived under Hungarian fascism. And we Hungarian Jews were still at home in our homes in 1944. And we had the first Seder, the first um, remembering the exodus of the ancient Israelites. Passover. Passover. And the next morning, uh, two gendarmes broke into our home, and they said, you have two minutes to pack a bundle, and um, if you have any money or jewelry, hand it over, because uh, where you're going, you're going to have no need of this. We paid a terrible price. 450,000 Hungarian Jews were gassed in Auschwitz in three months. We must always remember the past. We need to learn from the past. You arrive in Auschwitz. What happened then? Well, the transport arrived. Our transport took about three and a half, four days, roughly, uh, in a locked cattle car. It was a terrible journey. Um, A stench from the urine and feces, you know, there was no toilet. The doors were open, and uh, we saw a man in a striped cap. A light flooded in, and he was yelling at us, Rouse Schnell, out fast. We were removed from the cattle car. We were trying to find our bundles. They kept telling us, don't worry about your bundles. You will have it delivered. This was the Nazis' deception. They had it all worked out. You know, sitting in a cattle car with 100 people in four days, you are a zombie. You can't think straight. You are no longer a human being. We were in the clutches of the SS unit, and they took us to the barrack. They took away our clothing. The only thing we were allowed to keep were our boots, the triple-tier bunks. And, you know, I laid down on those wooden planks after standing for three days, and I thought that I was in the best, sleeping on the best mattress for a few hours. We were given a tattooed number and striped outfits, and we were no longer human beings. We were now slave laborers. And how did you survive the slave labor? How long were you a slave laborer, and how did you get by? I was um, a slave laborer. Well, uh, I was in camp from 1944. May the 8th, we arrived in Auschwitz. And I was liberated May the 6th, a year later, in 1945. You know, a second in Auschwitz was like a thousand years. I was lucky that my father and uncle and I were together for three months. They were truly my guardian angels. How do you get acclimatized living under the Nazis as a slave laborer on a diet of 300 calories and uh, working hard labor, 10 to 12 hours, 
baking out in the sun and there's no water to drink, needed to use all your skills that were available to you. My father and uncle were selected out in July of 1944. My father gave me a blessing and told me that if I managed to survive, you have to tell the world what happened here. You have fulfilled. You have been fulfilling your father's last wish to tell the world for a long time. Well, I'm trying. I've been a speaker for 32 years. Do you see a special danger now with the big rise in anti-Semitism? I see a very big danger. I've been feeling this. My gut feeling was telling me years ago. When I started to see a swastika here, a swastika there, but now the swastikas are all over the place. This poison against Jews is so virulent. And um, they need to understand, Jews, we are the first, but we are not the last. This is exactly the way it started in Nazi Germany. It started with words, and it ended in horrible places. BBS movement, boycott, divestment, sanctions. Can you imagine something out of the Nazi handbook is being used in Canada against the democratic country of Israel? What is going on? What kind of a message would you like to leave people with on uh, the issue of resilience? Well, I would say this is not a Jewish problem. This is a problem for every single Canadian. If we want to keep this country a democratic country, and if we want to protect our way of life, everybody needs to be an upstander. We need to stand up and say, we will not allow you to do this in this country. We need to teach kids and we need to teach adults Oh, what this we need to learn from the past. So I think this is my message. Max Eisen, thank you so much for this. You're welcome. That was 92-year-old Auschwitz survivor and Holocaust educator Max Eisen. You can also read his memoir, By Chance Alone, A Remarkable True Story of Courage and Survival at Auschwitz. <laughs> That brings us to the end of this edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.